I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal versus Leicester City, Sunday, October the 25th, 2020. Kickoff, 7.15pm. The contents. The manager, Mikel Arteta. The captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Voice of Arsenal. Player feature, Thomas Partey. Match action, Arsenal versus Sheffield United. Convertible currency. Community. Arsenal Academy. 14 times. Forward Arsenal. My story. Match action Liverpool versus Arsenal. Visitors Leicester City. Arsenal women. Match action Manchester City versus Arsenal. And teams. Manager's Notes. Mikel Arteta. We knew it would be a difficult match on Thursday and I'm delighted to start the Europa League campaign with a win. We made things difficult for ourselves with a few decisions and the goal we conceded, but if anything that's my fault as I demand those things from my players. I want them to play in those areas. We understand better and better the type of balls that we have to play in those areas and in relation to where the pressure is coming and the distances that you can manage from the opponent. After that, everything will be better, but obviously in a split second you have to make a decision. You have to get the right touch, the right pass, and as well the opponent is waiting for that. So again, it is something we have to keep working on, because if we want to play in the way that I want to, it's necessary that we keep doing it in our build-up play. But I really like the reaction. In the second half, we understood much better the spaces that we have to attack. We played with more purpose and we generated much more. I think we scored two good goals. The second one was fantastic. Thomas Partey looked really solid on his first start, really comfortable. I think he held the midfield by himself in the second half when we were a little more open and started to take more chances and attacking certain spaces with some players. But I think he was fantastic and there is much more to come from him. The game on Thursday was also a good opportunity for us to bounce back quickly after our game against Manchester City. We have to get used to this because we are going to be playing every three days in different competitions from now on. 
We have a big squad at the moment. Everyone is so willing to play, so we'll give opportunities to everyone. I'm obviously disappointed that we lost the game at City last week, but I have to say that I'm extremely proud of the players for the performance they put in and the type of game we were able to play. Where we took the game, what we were able to do, how we were able to restrict them, all of those ingredients were encouraging. For me, it was the attitude of the team to go there and do what we did against a very, very good Manchester City side. I was there for four years. I saw a lot of teams go to the Etihad and I can tell you it's very, very difficult to put in a performance with the amount of attitude, resilience and belief that we did against them. It's really difficult, believe me. So I was pleased with the hard work and our attitude, but also our courage as well. When we were without the ball and when we were with the ball, we looked to play and create the chances that we created. But at the end of the day, when you go there and create three or four big chances, you have to put them in the net. We have started the Premier League season with some tough away games, but overall I was very encouraged last weekend because I see the progress every day. I see how united the players are when they come in for training every morning. I see the chemistry that they are creating. I feel how much belief they have in what we are trying to do here, and that's so important. You want to go to every ground and win, but to get into the position you have to do so many good things throughout 90 minutes. I think we managed a lot of them against City, but in the end games are decided in the boxes and against the big teams when you get there, you have to put them away. Orba could have scored again in a one-on-one situation where he normally does, but in my opinion, performance-wise, he is doing well. We're trying to get him in better positions as frequently as we can to give him the best possible chance. Goals will come. This evening's game against Leicester will be another big test for us. They have had a couple of difficult matches, but any team who can beat Manchester City so comprehensively represents a big, big threat. They have some high-quality players who have hurt us in the past. When we played them towards the end of last season, we didn't capitalise on a period where we were so dominant and paid for it. We can't make that mistake again tonight. We have to play a complete game to win. Finally, it was really nice to play in front of fans again on Thursday in Vienna. It was strange after so long, but finally we are getting to have some people watching us who are not just the people working around us on a daily basis. It's positive, but what it did remind me is how much we are missing seeing you all at the Emirates for home games. Hopefully it's closer, and we can't wait for it. In the meantime, thanks for your support wherever in the world you are watching us. Captain's Notes, Pierre-Marie Aubameyang. We are back home today after two games away at Manchester City in the league last weekend and in Austria against Rapid Vienna on Thursday. I am still so frustrated by the loss at the Etihad. I really feel like we could have done something there. We showed a lot of desire and motivation. We wanted to do well, and there was not much in the game at all. It is a real shame because there was room for a good result. We lacked a little bit of composure in the last pass and the last shot. It was all about details again. They took their goal well and we could not take our chances. But there were still some positives for us. Let's not forget that we have already played away at Liverpool and away at City, the two best teams in the league and the last two champions as well. They are two of the hardest fixtures of the season and they are behind us. 
and if you look at how we played, we were always in both games. It shows how much we are improving and going in the right direction. We all have to stay positive. I know it is frustrating for you as well, as you are supporting us from home. But you have to trust us and the manager. We know where we are going, and we are getting there. I feel it has been a positive start of the season, and even when we didn't play particularly well, and I would say that was the case in our last home game against Sheffield United two weeks ago, we still found a way of winning a very important game. Our game against Rapid Vienna on Thursday needed us to show character. It was a tough moment for Bernd, but we need to take risks at the back at times. It's our method, but ultimately we fought back. It was a great header from David. He showed real desire to get above everyone, and then I couldn't really miss, thanks to a good ball from Hector, who'd been set up brilliantly by Mo. Of course, we would have liked a more comfortable win, but it did allow us to illustrate positives, not least from our new signing, Thomas Partey. Watching his influence on the game from the bench then on the pitch for half an hour was really exciting. I hope you all thought so too. Today is another big one against Leicester. We have had some really good battles against them in the last few seasons. They always play well against us and Jamie Vardy always seems to score against us too. We know exactly how the team and Vardy play. We will be ready for them for sure. I was really interested to see that they had signed Wesley Fonfana from my former club at Saint-Étienne. He is such a great young defender. People were impressed by his debut performance against Aston Villa, but I was not surprised. I knew already how good he was, and how good he was going to be in England too. So I am looking forward to playing against him on Sunday. I know you have not seen much of him yet, but Thomas Partey has been great since joining the club. He has integrated so well in the squad. He is kind, calm and smiley. On the pitch, we have seen already what he will bring us in matches. He is so strong physically, but yet so good on the ball as well. We didn't really have a profile like this in our squad before. In terms of ball progression, beating the press going forward, he will be very important for us. My family is from Gabon, but I also have some roots in Ghana where Thomas is from, so we are family too. It is good for some of our younger players as well to have a player like him of his calibre at training. They will learn a lot from him. They have gone a long way already. When I saw Ainsley and Booker making their England debut, I was so proud. I think the whole club was. I saw them arriving in the first team, starting training with us, and now they are England players. Five, four, three, two. It is fantastic. They are very talented, but they also worked so hard to get there. Well done to them, and I really hope it is only just the beginning. Finally, this weekend we highlight the No Room for Racism campaign, which is something I feel very strongly about. Football should be a great vector to fight against racism. We are united, all together. Look at our dressing room. We are all from different origins and different cultures, but we all get on, and we all live happily together. Football has values of unity, of togetherness, of integration. I really hope that football can bring people together and help to eradicate racism in football and in society.
voice of Arsenal. Thomas joins the Arsenal party. On October 5th, Arsenal confirmed the signing of 27-year-old Ghanaian midfielder Thomas Party from Atletico Madrid on a long-term contract. Thomas had been with Atletico since 2012, making 188 appearances and scoring 16 goals, in which time he won both the UEFA Europa League and the UEFA Super Cup in 2018, and was a UEFA Champions League runner-up in 2016. Our new number 18 has represented Ghana on 26 occasions, with a healthy nine-goal tally for his country. Manager Mikel Arteta was thrilled to have got his man. We have been watching Thomas for a while, so we're now delighted to add a high-quality player to our squad, said the boss. He is a dynamic midfielder with great energy. He brings a lot of experience from a top club that has competed in the highest level in La Liga and the UEFA Champions League for several years. We are impressed by his attitude and his approach to the game. He is an intelligent footballer and we are looking forward to him integrating into our system and contributing to the progress we are building at the moment for the club. For his part, Thomas was delighted to have made the switch to the Gunners. I have followed Arsenal for a long time. When we were young, we used to watch so many games. When they had the Invincible season in 2004, they were so great. That was when we won the hearts of so many people. This is a great club and is one of our biggest clubs in Europe and it is a club that deserves to be aspiring for greater things. And I think it doesn't happen in a day we have to work hard. We have to make sure that we are happy to where we belong. I want to make everybody feel happy. Read an exclusive interview on page 22 to 26 of today's programme. Other ins and outs. Two first-team squad members left for pastures new just before the transfer window closed. With Thomas Partey arriving from Atletico Madrid, fellow midfielder Lucas Torreira headed in the opposite direction on a season-long loan. The Uruguay international has made 89 appearances since joining us from Serie A side Sam Doria ahead of the 2018-19 season. He was part of the FA Cup final winning squad and his goal of the 4-2 North London derby win at the Emirates Stadium in November 2018 was a highlight during his first season. Another midfielder, Matteo Guidezio, has also handed out a long-season loan to Hertha Berlin in Germany. The France under-21 international has made 82 appearances for us since joining from French side Lorient in summer 2018. We wish Lucas and Matteo all the best as they continue their careers away from the Emirates Stadium. No room for racism anywhere. We are proud to to support the next phase of the Premier League's No Room for Racism incentive, sending a strong message to the league and its clubs that we will not tolerate racist behaviour anywhere. Fans are being urged to challenge and report racism whenever it takes place, encouraging behavioural change in football and a wider society. As part of its long-term commitment to address racism in football and a wider society, the Premier League is also launching a series of new educational resources. 
These free teacher materials are designed to help simulate discussion in classrooms and will be available to more than 18,000 primary schools in England and Wales through the Premier League Primary Stars. The resources will also be made via the Premier League Kicks and Inspires programmes. No room for racism messages it will be visible in the Premier League matches this weekend, with activity highlighting the league and club's year-round commitment in combating discrimination and promoting equality, diversity and inclusion across all areas of football. Since launching in March 2019, the No Room for Racism initiative has brought together the Premier League's work promoting equality, diversity and inclusion. Matches dedicated to the initiative have urged fans to take action. For more information on the Premier League's No Room for Racism, visit www.premierleague.com forward slash no room for racism. Fans First Forum The first Fans Forum of the season was held online on September the 16th and prior to the meeting we welcomed three new members. Over the close season we advertised the representatives for our red, silver and ethnic minority supporters to join the forum. Our new red member is Ben Buckstone whose first game was a penalty shootout against Rotherham in 2003 which ended in a 9-8 victory. His focus within the role is to build a positive energy between the fans and the club and to give the Red members a strong voice in all matters discussions in the forum. We also have a new Silver member representative, Jake Kaur. He has been attending home games since Man City at Highbury in 2005 and particularly action-packed day which included Thierry Henry being presented with an award for breaking Ian Wright's goal-scoring record and the infamous... Henri Perez penalty attempt that did not quite go to plan. Jake wants to reassure that Silver members feel valued as members of Arsenal Football Club is honoured to be their representative in the club, which he loves. The third new member of the forum is Draco Wang, representing the ethnic minority supporter. Draco followed the club from afar for many years and finally got to see his live in 2017 against Man City and he was an exotic despite his jet lag to witness Walcott and Mustafi notch a 2-2 draw. He subsequently relocated to London and names Hector as his favourite player. He empathises within the forum to help promote and an excellent record of equality and diversity further to create the sense of global community within our supporters. We look forward to welcoming him together with Draco, Jake and Ben over the coming seasons. Minutes from the first forum can be found at arsenal.com forward slash fanzone forward slash supporters dash forum. In Lockdown is back. If you enjoyed our podcast series in lockdown early this year, the good news is it's back for a second series. We catch up with a variety of our former players for an in-depth interview about their time at Arsenal and our first guest of the new series was Nicholas Bentner. He had no shortage of anecdotes. Per Mertesacker had also been featured so far this series and don't miss Alexandra Hleb on next week's episode out on Tuesday, October the 27th. In Lockdown is available from your regular podcast provider. Be sure to subscribe as you automatically receive new episodes straight to the copy of your device. Win a signed copy of Nicholas Bentner's autobiography. 
It's the book everyone's talking about, and we've got a signed copy to give away to one lucky reader. Both sides have been revealing brutally honest memoirs of Nicholas Bentner's life so far, including his seven eventful seasons with the Gunners. It's available to buy now in stores, but online, and you could win a copy, signed by the man himself, if you can answer this question correctly, and are chosen at random from the correct answers. Which team did Nicholas Bentner score his first Premier League goal against? Was it A, Tottenham Hotspur, B, Aston Villa, or C, Sunderland? Answers to us via programming at arsenal.co.uk or at AFC Programme by Friday, October the 30th. Good luck to everybody who enters that competition. So also we got congratulations to Danny and Jack Ribbons on the birth of their new baby gooner, William Edward Michael Ribbons. Born August 25th, 2020. Love, great Uncle Graham. Happy 50th birthday to lifelong gooner Martin Lopez. Lots of love from Zoe Chantel and Coral. Arsenal remembers. Terry Hudson, AFC. Passed away on September 6, 2020. A loyal fan of the Arsenal for 80 years, missed by Paula and all his friends and family. Rest in peace. Steve Lambie, passed away aged 39 on September the 11th, 2020, leaving behind his two children, Casey and Courtney. A lifelong fan who will be greatly missed. Sleep tight, Stephen. Love, Mum, Dad, Chris, Nick, Paul, Matt, Charis, Zach and Kaziah. George Satori, January the 20th, 1934 to September the 20th, 2020. A lifelong supporter who witnessed hundreds of incredible moments in the club's magnificent history. A caring and gentle man, he taught his children and grandchildren the Arsenal way. Rest in peace, Dad the Gooner. Philip Bora, a devoted Gooner, family man and a true brother. Sadly, lost his battle to cancer on September the 18th with his family nearby. You will always be missed. Rest in peace. Europa League draw. A reminder that following our first match in the competition against Rapid Vienna on Thursday, the remaining five games in the Europa League Group B will be played as follows. Arsenal versus Dundalk, Thursday, October the 29th. It's an 8pm kickoff. It's live on to BT Sport. Arsenal v Mould. Thursday, November the 5th. 8pm kickoff. And that's live on BT Sport. Mould versus Arsenal. Thursday, November 25th. 5.55pm kickoff. Arsenal versus Rapid Vienna. Thursday, December the 3rd. 8pm kickoff. Dundalk versus Arsenal. Thursday, December the 10th, 8pm kickoff. The Carabao Quarter Cup final. A confirmation that we were drawn at home in the Carabao Cup against Man City. The match will take place on Tuesday, December the 22nd. It's an 8pm kickoff and it's live on Sky Sports. We are delighted to welcome back safely some of our members to watch a live screaming of our match against Man City at the Emirates Stadium. 
Fans were spread across the WM and Dial Square hospitality suite, as well as the screening. They enjoyed food, drinks, photos with the FA Cup and Community Shield, and a question and answer session with Ray Parler. A prize drawn, exclusive gift, and retail discounts. The event was fully COVID secure, with temperature checks taken on entry and social distancing measured and strictly adhered to at all times. The NHS Track and Trace app was fully operational, as well as our own ticket validation system to ensure we knew who was each using each ticket. Members should keep an eye on their inbox for details of future screamings. Ref Watch. The referee this evening is Craig Pawson from South Yorkshire. Craig has already been in charge of the Gunners' match this season in a 3-1 defeat against Liverpool. He only officiated one of our games last season, the 2-1 league defeat to Chelsea at the Emirates. Overall, our record with Craig is 1-9, drawn 2, lost 7. He has issued 70 yellow cards during those 18 matches and two reds, to Everton's Itra Gulli and Watford's Troy Danini. Just seats. Start from across the club, led by the stadium facilities team, recently embarked on a day of putting bags on seats in readiness for fans returning to the Emirates Stadium. With two-thirds of the upper tier completed, the attention will now switch to club level. Thanks go to staff members Joanne Hartley, Mark Brindle, Harl Solomon, Jenny O'Hara and Matthew Hunt for their back-breaking commitment. Thomas. There was great excitement amongst supporters when we announced the signing of Thomas Partey from Atletico Madrid earlier this month. Excitement that was certainly shared by the Ghana international midfielder himself. Thomas Partey's journey to the top has been a remarkable one. After spending his youth career in Ghana, his father sold his own possessions to fund a visa that would see his son travel to Spain for a trial with Atletico Madrid in 2011, in the hope that he could fulfil his potential and become the all-action midfielder we see today. Now he's ready to take the Premier League by storm and put Arsenal back where they belong. Having worked under the animated and demanding Diego Simeone for the last nine years, Thomas knows what it takes to get what you want in football. During his first three years with the club, he failed to make a single first-team appearance, instead being shipped out on loan to Mallorca and Almeria. But Thomas never lost focus and continued to fight for his place in the starting eleven, despite facing stiff competition from some of Europe's toughest midfielders in Garbi, Thiago, Coque and Sal Niguez, among others. Today he stands as one of Europe's elite, combining a perfect blend of discipline, physicality and technical ability. We caught up with our number 18 shortly after he signed the dotted line, and here's what he had to say. Thomas, we've spoken about the excitement of our fans and our Ghanaian fans in particular are so happy about this move. Just how proud are you to represent your country over here? Yeah, I feel great, very accepted. I've known a lot of Ghanaians who have played in the Premier League and they are admired a lot in Ghana. I think this is a moment to make sure everyone is following this great family and experiencing with them a lot of important things. Winning important cups for the club. What does being Ghanaian mean to you? 
It's where I grew up. It means a lot to me. I can't be different from any Ghanaian. I know where I've come from, I know how the system is there, and being Ghanaian is a great privilege. It's like being a family. You can't leave your family. Career stats. Malorca, Lone, 2013, stroke 14. 38 appearances, 5 goals. Almeria, Lone, 2014, stroke 15. 32 appearances, 4 goals. Atletico Madrid, 2015, stroke 16. 23 appearances, 3 goals. 2016, stroke 17. 24 appearances, 1 goal. 2017, stroke 18. 50 appearances, 5 goals. 2018, stroke 19. 42 appearances, 3 goals. 2019, stroke 20. 46 appearances, 4 goals. 2020, stroke 21. 3 appearances. Have you seen much of the reaction back home in Ghana? Yeah, they were happy. My father was happy. He said he accepts every move and every decision that I have made. For him, for his son to be in the newspapers, in the news, is a great feeling. Like you said there, the Premier League has featured many great Ghanaians through the years. The first one to make a big impact was Tony Yeboa. English football fans still talk about the goals he scored. Do you have a good memory of those? Well, I was young. I grew up watching Michael Essien, Muntari, the Ayu brothers. They're the people I look up to, and they made a lot of impact on Ghanaians. I think this is my moment, and I have to make sure I take it. You've spoken about Michael Essien being someone you idolised. What was it specifically about the way that he played football and the way that he represented Ghana that you liked so much? He's a fantastic midfielder. He fights for every ball. He's a great legend. For me, he's one of the best midfielders we've ever had in Africa. I think we've all seen what he's done at Chelsea, what he has done for the Black Stars and for me. He's my idol. Traditionally, Nigeria have always supported Arsenal because of Kanu, and Chelsea inspire Ghana fans because of Essien. How do you think you can inspire more youngsters to support Arsenal now? Now most of the young guys are looking up to me, and I think I have to do my best to make sure I get them to support this great family. When they support me, they're going to feel good when they see us play. Our visitors today, Leicester City, have their own Ghanaian star, Daniel Amate. What can you tell us about him? He's a good person. He's a good defender also. I've played with him. He was my captain. And now things have changed. I'm sorry to say that he was a bit injured, but now he's coming back, and I've watched him in recent games, and he's doing great. I feel so happy. Away from football. We hear that you're also passionate about trying to help people back home in Ghana. Why is that so important for you to be able to give back? It's the greatest part of my life. I was there before. I've been through a lot of things, and I know how difficult it is for people without hope. What do you do to try to help? Can you give us a few examples of what you've been doing? Well, I try to help the young ones. My father has a team. I give them a lot of equipment, and then we try to bring some of them that are more talented to Europe. We have a team in Europe where we bring a lot of Ghanaian players for trials. And the hope is that you can create a new generation of Thomas Partey's. Yes. Thomas Partey. Part owns a football team. Thomas Partey is a part owner of Club Deportivo Parquelos Antamira, formerly known as Football Al Subendas Sport, 
a Spanish 4th Division site. Based in Alcobendas, approximately 13 kilometres north of Madrid, and with a 3,000-seater stadium, the club has become a home for a number of up-and-coming African players who are looking to develop in Spain. Is known as the Octopus. When Thomas Partey joined Almeria for the 2014-15 season, he made an instant impact at the Andalusian club and the fans soon nicknamed him the Octopus. One of Partey's standout traits is his ability to consistently regain possession with timely interceptions and tackles. And that's where the nickname came from. Is Mr. Versatile Mikel Arteta has spoken of his desire to have versatile and adaptable players in his squad and in the form of Thomas Partey, he's got exactly that. The Ghana international is a natural at the base of midfield, but he's also capable of playing as an attacking midfielder, wide midfielder, full-back or centre-back. He's even played as a striker before. Partey often adopts a more attacking role for his national team, and back in 2017, he scored a hat-trick against Congo in a World Cup qualifier. Premier League Match Day 4 2pm Sunday October 4th Emirates Stadium Arsenal 2 Sheffield United 1 First half The game got off to a cagey start and never seriously threatened to move out of first gear throughout the opening 45 minutes Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang came closest with a long-range strike that was tipped over but that was the only opportunity of note for either side as the rain swept down in N5. Second half. We upped the tempo after the interval, and Danny Caballos' incisive first-time pass soon nearly picked out Aubameyang in the area, but just evaded our captain. Nicolas Pepe came on to try to add some impetus to our attack, and within minutes we had the lead, as Aubameyang found Hector Ballerin in the box, and he picked out Bukayo Saka to head into the roof of the net. Three minutes later we had our second as Ballerin found Pepe down the right and the Ivorian showed his scorching pace to get away from his man before slotting the ball low into the far corner. David McGoldrick set up a grandstand finish by curling a shot beyond Bernd Leno and into the far corner for the visitors with seven minutes remaining. But despite some pressure from the Blades and a late opportunity for McGoldrick deep in injury time, we held on to claim maximum points. Convertible Currency Football historian John Sperling looks at the evolution of Arsenal players' positions, past and present. Laurent, adaptable, invincible. I signed Laurent as a right fullback, but he didn't know it. I wanted him to take over from Lee Dixon, explained Gunners boss Arsene Wenger in 2004 when asked about the Cameroon international's remarkable metamorphosis from being a right-sided or central midfielder. After rumoured transfers to Roma and Real Madrid fell through, the Real Mallorca player made his Arsenal debut as a substitute against Sunderland on August 19, 2000 and netted his first goal although Tony Adams claimed it flicked off him, laughed Laurent, for the club just two days later against Liverpool. Yet his first campaign in N5 was anything but smooth. Shortly after his arrival, he travelled to the Sydney Olympics in September. I went to the Olympics thinking maybe I won't get back into that midfield, 
playing on the right side of midfield and featuring for all 120 minutes of the final against Spain, then scoring one of the winning penalties in the shootout. On top of that, his wife Monica was suffering from homesickness. But Wenger had big plans for Laurent, although the player initially doubted the wisdom of his manager's vision. Wenger came to me and said, Top players can play any position. If you have the sense of the game, the passing game, if you understand, if you're gifted, you can play there. At first I didn't fully realise what he was saying, but then he insisted that I could learn to play in a back four. Initially, Laurent disagreed. Wenger explained... He opposed that view. He didn't want to do it, but then he saw that an opportunity had presented itself because Lee Dixon was 36 and Laurent now had the chance to play regularly if he could prove himself. By the 2001-2 season, Laurent had become Arsenal's first-choice right-back. When someone gives you that sense of security and shows you he trusts you, that's the best thing there is, Laurent said of Wenger. There were some initial teething problems, with new signing Sol Campbell also taking a few months to blend in. We were good going forward, but it was hard for us to coordinate that four-man defence. And defensively. Arsenal were rather vulnerable in the first half of the campaign, but by February 2002, the Gunners began romping away with the league title, their old defensive meanness fully restored, and Laurent now hugely combative and creative as a right-back. Over the next four seasons, Laurent proved himself to be an often unsung hero right-back, with a canny knack for dispatching vital penalties at the right time. In April 2002, with the Gunners closing in on the title, Laurent tucked away a vital spot kick against Tottenham in front of the North Bank to give Arsenal a vital 2-1 win. I will always remember the absolute hush as I struck the ball. There was absolute silence as Arsenal fans will me to score the penalty, he recalled. He also scored from the spot when the Gunners won the FA Cup in 2005 against Manchester United following a penalty shootout. Wenger explained under that quiet exterior lay the heart of a combative and ambitious player. Lauren remains forever grateful to coach Pat Rice for delivering the conversion therapy at the London Coney training ground. He would tell me how to position my body diagonally onto the ball so I could see the opponent, the centre-back and the ball. We would work on overloads when we were outnumbered. We'd be four against eight and Pat Rice would be there. He was the one on top of us. And as Arsenal won the double in 2001-2 and the Premier League title unbeaten in 2004, no player was more on top of his game than the once reluctant right-back Laurent. John Hollins, Swan Song Switch I don't think anyone quite expected things to turn out as they did as Arsenal, recalled former Chelsea and Queen's Park Rangers midfielder John Hollins. After the 33-year-old joined Arsenal for £75,000 in July 1979, pessimists suggested that he would struggle to make an impression. In his first season, midfielder David Price kept Hollands out of the FA Cup final, but by 1980-81, as Arsenal finished third in the league, Hollands made the berth his own. Then, at 35, Hollands was slotted into the right-back berth by manager Terry Neal in January 1982, with John Devine struggling to maintain his early promise. 
He did such a sterling job that he was voted Player of the Year by Arsenal supporters and then skippered the Gunners to two domestic cup semi-finals in the 1982-83 campaign. Holland recalls, I read one newspaper headline that claimed I'd gone to Arsenal to retire, but I played 164 matches for them, many of those at right-back. You can do anything if you put your mind to it, insists the effervescent midfielder right-back. Arsenal in the community. Our Premier League stars and double club programme combined over the summer period to support and engage with children that have missed out on school because of lockdown and impacted closures. The double club scheme started as a literacy intervention programme and today incorporates a wide range of academic subjects including science, healthy living, literacy, modern languages, history, business studies and geography. In recent years, many of the paper-based resources have been replaced by digital versions. The sessions were a week-long mixture of outdoor and classroom-based delivery in PE, literacy and PSHE. Programmes delivered to KS2 pupils of three primary schools, all primary school partner schools and a new year seven pupils at one secondary school. Participating schools were the Fleet, Primary, Princess May, St John's Highbury Vale and Eastlington Arts and Media School. The primary stars team have been hard at work to enable delivery to a primary school for the new academic year. The Premier League Primary Stars Programme is a national primary school scheme that uses the appeal of the Premier League and professional football clubs to inspire children to learn, be active and develop important life skills. Schools are provided with a term of high-quality support and activity that uses the appeal of the Premier League and Arsenal Football Club to inspire pupils from everything from English to teamwork and to sport. Our primary school sports mentors deliver high-quality interventions targeted at whole classes, small groups and individual, which aims to improve the children's physical literacy, improve teachers' confidence in delivering PE, increase the children's confidence in English activities and improve the children's communication skills and resilience. Academy. Developing strong young gunners. In this issue, Young Gun, Marcello Flores. Match reports. Four London derbies. News, loans and new contracts. Remember, Tuba Akpom. Stats, results and fixtures. Young Gun, Marcello Flores, talking to Aidan Small. Born, Mississauga, Canada, October 1st, 2003. Joined Arsenal, March 2019. Height and weight, 5 foot 6 inches, 58.4 kilos. Position, attacking midfielder. Boots, Adidas Nemesis. My journey to Arsenal has been an interesting one. It all started at a very, very young age because I come from a family where almost everyone plays football. My dad was a pro player in Mexico and my mum used to play in a Masters tournament in Canada and that was how they met. 
Then you have my uncle and grandfather, who are obsessed with football too. So growing up, all I ever used to do was play around the house. I constantly had a ball at my feet, and because of that, I was already playing with four-year-olds when I was just two. I was living in Canada at the time, and as I got older and moved through grassroots, I joined an academy called the Guelph, and my dad became the technical director. I've got some great memories. I would literally spend all day, every day, training. It was always really cold in Canada, so we used to train inside a dome, and even on the days that I wasn't meant to be playing, I'd turn up for extras. The academy was an hour away from my house, so I always thought I might as well just stay there and train. I loved it. Since being at Arsenal, I've had a few people ask me how my fitness is so good, and whether it's just come naturally. But it's no secret. For as long as I can remember, I've played football seven days a week, and that's all I've ever known. I've never really been into social media or video games, so any spare time I had, I'd spend it playing football. My sisters are the same too. My older sister, by one year, plays for Chelsea now, and for years she used to play in the boys' age group, while I would play for the year above me. So that meant we always used to be on the same team. We've always had a pretty good chemistry on the pitch. Anyway, after spending a few years there, my dad was called in for an under-15 Women's World Cup in the Cayman Islands for two months, and he brought me along with him. He was the coach, and I was always around him, being a nuisance and trying to join in, until this guy came up to us and said that he's running a football camp for kids around my age and asked if I'd like to join in. As it turned out, that man was Steve Foley, and after the camp he said that I should come to England to trial for Ipswich Town. We couldn't believe it, and over the next couple of months I went on trial a few times and managed to score against all the big London clubs, so they kept inviting me back for a year until I eventually joined and the whole family moved over. The first proper year was really difficult for me because I was still a Canadian kid and I had to get used to all the English boys and their banter. The English game felt so much quicker and dirtier too, so I learned a lot of new things and that set me up well for the next season when I became one of the top performers of the age group above me. I remember at Ipswich they bought this machine that helps you practice your passing and technique and I would spend hours upon hours trying to master this little game and in the end I set a record for the whole academy. I just love training. But as for my move to Arsenal, I was playing two years up at the time for Ipswich and we used to play against them quite a lot. At one point we played against them three times in three weeks and in every game I honestly felt like I played some of the best football of my life. I didn't know it at the time but I was playing against my future teammates. Greg Lincoln was the Arsenal coach and after he gave the club a really positive report on me it eventually went through. I came to Arsenal at the end of under-14s level and after earning my spot I was offered a scholarship and ever since I've been absolutely loving it here. Everyone has been so good to me, from my teammates to the coaches and staff at Colney, and I really appreciate that. Per Mertesacker has always looked out for me, and my family, and now I'm desperate to repay the faith everyone has shown in me. Marcello Flores, low down, got me into playing, my mother and father. 
First footballer I looked up to, Ronaldinho. Favourite football shirt, Barcelona home from 2004 stroke 5. Favourite pair of old boots, Adidas F50 red and blue. Best friend in football, Luigi Gaspar. Team supported as a child, Barcelona. Best goal of all time, Lionel Messi's first for Barcelona. Best goal I've scored, my second goal versus Chelsea under 16. Best player I've faced, Dario Sarmiento. Best piece of skill I've done in a game, Rainbow Flick. Best, best moment of career so far, signing pro at Arsenal. One stadium I'd like to score in, Camp Noy. One type of goal I'd like to score, overhead kick. Best player to score a one-on-one, Brazilian Ronaldo. Rate yourself, speed 87, shooting 95, dribbling 96, passing 88, defending 44. If I could change position, I'd be a striker. Best training ground tip I've had, express yourself and have fun. My football memorabilia, shirts and football cards. Other sports I'm good at, basketball and table tennis. Favourite training drill, small-sided games. Best lesson learnt off the pitch at Arsenal. To be the best person I can be and to become the best footballer I can be. About me. Favourite footballer of all time, Lionel Messi. Favourite follow on Instagram, Neymar. Favourite pre-match song, Lose Yourself by Eminem. Best football attribute, dribbling. One thing I want in my career, to win the Champions League. Players who shape my game, Hazard and Coutinho. Best thing about being at Arsenal, the environment. Match reports, under 18 Premier League South. Saturday, September 19th, Tottenham Hotspur Training Centre. Tottenham Hotspur 2, Scarlet 23, Penalty, De Santiago 88, Arsenal 0. Arsenal under-18s, Grazik, Lang, Ogumbo, Edwards, 46th minute, Kirk, Arwe, Patino, Flores, Bandera, Plange, Vigar, 63rd minute, Hutchinson, Taylor Hart, Unused Subs, Edgeri, Foran, Francis. Our under-18s were beaten for the first time this season in the North London derby. Ken Gillard named an unchanged side from our 4-2 win over Southampton the week prior, but we were unable to replicate that free-flowing attacking performance. The host came flying out of the blocks, forcing Hubert Grezak into two outstanding saves, before Dane Scarlett charged into the area and forced Zach Arwe into a foul. Scarlett took the resulting penalty and made no mistake from the spot. Tottenham continued to press after the restart too, with Grazik producing a number of fine saves to deny Scarlett and Niall John from inside the area. Mauro Bandiera came close to an equaliser when his searching delivery was spilled by Timothy Lotatula, but the host struck once more late on, with Iago Santiago Alonso breaking free down the right and finishing into the far corner. Under-18 Premier League South Saturday, September the 26th, Arsenal Training Centre. 
Arsenal 3, Flores 58, 85, Edwards 66, Crystal Palace 2, De Milabu 45 plus 2, 82. Arsenal under 18s, Gradzik, Lang, Ogubu, Kirk, Arway, Foran 72, Patino, Flores, Bandiera, Plange, Vigar 78, Hutchinson, Taylor Hart, Edward 71. Unused subs, Edgeray, Francis. Marcello Flores scored twice as our under-18 secured a thrilling 3-2 win over Crystal Palace in the Premier League South. Keon Edwards was also on the score sheet for Ken Gillard's side, ensuring we returned to winning ways after defeat in the North London derby. Despite creating an early chance through Kido Taylor Hart, we struggled to assert our dominance in the first half and found ourselves trailing before the break, with David Omilabu breaking free down the left and cutting inside to find the top right corner. But we bounced back in the second half and drew level after pressing high up the pitch to force a mistake from Palace's back line. Flores made the initial interception and after combining with Edwards on the edge of the area, he shifted the ball onto his right foot before firing into the top corner from the edge of the area. We continued to press in numbers and once again forced another mistake from the visitors, allowing Taylor Hart to reach the byline and square the ball to Edwards to complete the comeback with a tap-in. We deserved our lead and showed great defensive resilience to limit Palace in open play but with a looping delivery at the near post and a mistake by Hubert Grazak, Omilabu reacted first to find the back of the net and level the score. There would be one last twist to the tail, though, as Flores received the ball on the left wing, dropped his shoulder and beat two defenders before finding the bottom corner with just five minutes remaining. Premier League 2, Saturday, September 26th, Arsenal Training Centre. Arsenal nil. Tottenham Hotspur 1, Richards 61. Arsenal under 23s, Heiner, Oyegoke, Ballard, Clark, Bola, Oleinka, Akinola, Aziz 79, Cottrell, Sirjan, McEnough 59, Balogan, Lewis, Alebiosu 72. Unused subs, Okonkwo, Dinze, our under-23s were beaten 1-0 by Tottenham Hotspur at London Colney in the first North London derby of the season. Harry Clark and Carl Hine made their first appearances of the season, while 17-year-old Catalin Sirjan featured in midfield. The visitors came into this fixture off the back of a 3-0 win over West Ham, and they were full of confidence in the first half with Carl Hine producing two fine saves to deny Rodell Richards and J. Neil Lloyd Bennett in quick succession. We almost grabbed the lead inside 18 minutes, though, when James Oleinka and George Lewis both saw low shots blocked in the box, before Whiteman clawed out Oleinka's follow-up attempt on his line from point-blank range. However, Tottenham maintained control after the restart, and soon after opened the scoring through Richards, who converted Kazakh Sterling's delivery on the hour mark. We pushed on in search of a late equaliser and came close through Oleinka when he was denied by a smart save at the near post. But we were unable to threaten our North London rivals again, 
leaving us without a win from our opening three league fixtures. Under-18 Premier League South, Saturday, October the 3rd, Little Heath Sports Ground. West Ham United, 3. Fevrier, 12. Woods, 27. Corbett, 69. Arsenal, 2. Kirk, 29. Taylor Hart, 61. Arsenal under-18s. Gratzik, Lang, Foran, Kirk, Norton Coffey, Patino, Hutchinson, Sweet, 68. Bandera, Flores, Edwards, Plunge, 71st. Taylor Hart, Arway, 90th. Unused sub, Edgeri. Despite going down to 10 men early on and showing fight throughout, our under-18 slipped to a frustrating 3-2 defeat against West Ham on the road. Alex Kirk and Kido Taylor-Hart were on the score sheet for Ken Gillard's side as they delivered a spirited performance from start to finish. But we were ultimately made to pay for Levi Lang's early first-half dismissal. Jaden Fevrier opened the scoring for the hosts after rounding Hubert Gredzik and firing into the back of the net before Lang controversially saw red for dragging down Kai Corbett on the edge of the area. Shortly after, the Hammers doubled their lead in scrappy fashion through Archie Woods. But we didn't let our heads drop, and less than two minutes later, Alex Kirk pulled one back with an instinctive effort from Amari Girud Hutchinson's set-piece delivery. Full of confidence, we continued to push on in the second half, and we eventually grabbed our award with Taylor Hart pouncing on a defensive error to curl the ball into the bottom corner. But there would be late heartbreak, as substitute Gael Kilelba broke free down the left wing to reach the byline and square the ball across for Corbett to convert. Academy News, Ballard Blackpool bound. Dan Ballard has joined League One side Blackpool on loan until January 2021. The 21-year-old defender is a product of our Hale End Academy and has been at the club since he was eight years old, progressing to become a full-time scholar in July 2016, which was followed with his first professional contract in June 2018. His positive development was rewarded with signing another new contract with us in May 2019. Dan has represented Northern Ireland at youth level and recently made his senior international debut for his country in September, playing in both Nations League matches against Romania and Norway. As a second-year scholar, Dan captained our under-18s to the final of the FA Youth Cup and has also been a regular in our Premier League 2 sites. He was previously on loan with Swindon Town at the start of last season but the spell was cut short in August due to injury. Since then, Dan has recovered well and recently impressed in our pre-season friendly victory over MK Dons in August. Bowler on the move Tolaji Bowler has joined League One side Rochdale on loan until the end of January 2021. An Arsenal Academy graduate, the 21-year-old defender has been at the club since the age of nine. Talaji has provided a strong presence in defence for our under-23s over the past two seasons, filling in at left-back and centre-back. He was an unused substitute in the Carabao Cup victory over Nottingham Forest last term and has been training with the first team throughout the last season. He has also represented England at under-16, under-17 and under-18 level. Everyone at Arsenal wishes Talaji all the best for his time at Rochdale.
Diane departs. Diane Ilyev has joined League One side Shrewsbury Town until the end of January 2021. The 25-year-old goalkeeper recently returned from a loan spell at Polish top division side Jagiellonia Bielestok. Diane signed a new deal in July 2019 before spending time on loan in Slovakia with Super League side SKF Sered. He has represented North Macedonia at every youth level and has been with us for eight seasons, having joined in 2012 from FK Belasica. His hard work has seen him develop through the Arsenal Academy, where he became a key player for our under-23s and wore the captain's armband on a number of occasions. Everyone at Arsenal wishes Dan all the best for his time at Shrewsbury Town. Flores rewarded for fine form. Marcello Flores has signed his first professional contract. As you will have just heard in the Young Guns section, the 17-year-old joined us as a scholar from Ipswich in July 2019 and is known for his agility, pace and creativity. A versatile attacking player who is a Mexico youth international, Marcello featured for our under-18 Premier League side last season as well as making two appearances in the FA Youth Cup. He has since played consistently for our under-18s in 2020-21, becoming a key player for Ken Gillard and scoring a number of vital goals from the wing. We congratulate Marcello on his first pro contract and look forward to supporting him with his continued development. Fourteen times our fourteen Spaniards. In August, we lifted the FA Cup for a record outstanding fourteenth time. But it's not just our rich, illustrious history in football's oldest knockout competition that is synonymous with the number 14. It happened on the 14th. 14th of February 2016, Arsenal 2, Leicester City 1, Premier League. Danny Welbeck's last-minute winner on Valentine's Day 2016 looked to have given us the momentum in the Premier League title race. Leicester City came into the game top of the table, five points clear of us in third place, with just two defeats from their first 25 league games. One of those was against Arsene Wenger's Gunners at the King Power Stadium, but Leicester struck first at the Emirates, courtesy of a controversial Jamie Vardy penalty. Danny Simpson was then sent off early in the second half, and Theo Walcott levelled with 20 minutes remaining. It looked as though both teams would have to settle for a point before Welbeck, making his first appearance of the season after injury, headed home Masut Ozil's perfect free kick in injury time to spark wild celebrations. It brought us to within two points of the Foxes, but Claudio Ranieri's men would hold their nerve, eventually winning the title ten points clear of Arsenal in second place. Sask starts the Spanish ball rolling. When Pablo Mari made his Arsenal debut late last season, he became the 14th Spaniard to represent the Arsenal first team. The first was Cesc Fabregas when he made his debut in October 2003, and he was soon followed by José Antonio Reyes in February 2004. Cesc remains the Spaniard with the most first-team appearances for the club, 303. The other Spaniards to play for our first team are Manuel Amunia, Fran Merida, Ignacy Miquel, Miquel Arteta, 
Santi Cazola, Nacho Monreal, Hector Bellerin, Lucas Perez, Julio Plegazuelo, Denis Suarez and Denis Ceballos. Of the 14, seven are full Spain internationals. It means that apart from the home nations, Spain are second only to France in terms of nationalities with most Arsenal players. We have, of course, also had two Spanish managers, and they are our last two incumbents, Mikel Arteta and Unai Emery. Callum Chambers Arsenal Football Club prides itself on always looking forward, so we're asking our players to gaze into the future to see what's on the horizon. How much do you plan your week? How detailed is your day-to-day schedule? It's very detailed, especially lately where I've been doing my rehab. At the start of each week, I speak with the physio team about what's the plan for the week, so I know what's going on and I know what it's going to look like in the terms of the workload and what sessions I'll be doing. Also, every evening I get a message telling me where the session is and what it's looking like tomorrow, so that helps me to prepare and get ready for it. It's pretty intense at the moment, coming in to start work an hour and a half before going out on the pitch. I get half an hour hands-on physio, then an hour in the gym before training even starts, and that's like the prep for training, if you like. Do you have a specific date or fixture in mind that you're looking forward to? Honestly, still no. When I first got injured, myself and the physio were quite keen not to set any time frames on the injury. I didn't want to rush anything. If you set a time and you don't hit it, you find yourself disappointed. I always had a mindset of when I'll be ready. And it's ready, even though I'm closer now. I've still got that, but it's getting to the point where I can half look at the fixtures and start to think what game I could be back for. But I'm wary of doing that so much. When you are fit and playing, how would you describe your state of mind generally the night before a game? When I first started, I used to get nervous, but over the years, you learn to control those nerves. I probably am still nervous, but I try and convince myself that I'm not. You get into a routine, you try and repair the same way each time that you can that relaxes you. I watch TV or a film usually, so you almost turn into a robot and you just do a set routine automatically, so you're not really thinking about it too much. I don't think about the game when I need to, uh, and I relax when I don't. Do you spend much time studying your direct opponent? I will study who their strikers are, who their threats are, and who I'm likely to come up against. So in the days leading up to a game, I'll study it and I'll look at who potentially could be up against. So that means watching clips going through their strengths, their weaknesses, but it's all done in the days leading up to the games, not so much done in the night before. Looking forward, have you ever thought at how you might want to finish your playing career? I've never really thought about that much before, But to be honest, during lockdown and being injured, it's made me think about more time and made me do some deep thinking about the things I want to just do, what I'm going to do when I retire. Obviously, I love football, so I thought, why wouldn't I want to stay in the sport? Then you get in contact with a few people to start the process of doing my coaching badges. So at the moment in time, I'm thinking that it could be some coaching somewhere, staying in the game, but I really don't know where. Maybe an academy or something. That's what I'm thinking at the moment. 
So have you started that process? Yes, I've reached out to Per Mertesacker for some contacts to get the ball rolling on my coaching badges. And the next step would be taking the course. Not just yet because my rehab is really intense and at the important stage. But once I get into a more normal routine, then I'll start looking at that, yeah. What are you looking forward to once you retire that you can't do now? Well, I've always wanted to travel. And at the start of each year, I always say to myself that I want to go and see a new place and that I'm looking forward to doing that I do can do that when I retire. I haven't travelled enough as a footballer. You spend a lot of time in other countries, but you never really experience them. So I've been to some amazing places with a team, but I've never seen any of it. You're on a plane, then you're on a bus, then you're in a hotel, then you're on the stadium bus, and then you're at home. So there's a long list of places that I want to see. What country, city would you like to live in once you stop playing? Oh, I don't know. I haven't really wanted to live somewhere. Maybe it will be abroad, but I don't know at this moment. Generally, how good are you at planning the future? Do you remember birthdays, for example? Yeah, I always remember, but usually I'm quite relaxed day to day. I never forget birthdays or special occasions. And finally, you've told us... There's a spare seat on the next trip to the International Space Station. Do you go? Why? And if there were two seats, who would you want to take with you? Yeah, 100% I'd go. Definitely I'd take my mate who I live with because he's closed-minded to everything that I do. So that would open his eyes. And it would be good education for him. City Escapes Summer Escape The Arsenal Foundation My Story The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation awarded a grant to City Escape, a charity that provides rural summer breaks for young people from inner city areas and disadvantaged backgrounds. Rose, 14, from Hackney, looks back on her two-week summer escape to the Peak District. I am the oldest in my family of four, and I take a lot of responsibility at home as my parents work long hours. My busy family life doesn't allow me much free time. However, when I do have time, I like to read and I enjoy baking. I first heard about City Escape from my teacher, who persuaded me to attend an event so I could learn more. I think back and actually can't believe I did it. But the volunteers seemed so nice and encouraging that I signed up for it there and then. It wasn't even as if I signed up with close friends, although I did know some people a little from school and the local community. For the summer escape, we spent two amazing weeks in the Peak District. I've never been anywhere so gorgeous before. In fact, I've never gone away in the summer holidays before. We had a full programme each day, and in the mornings there was a choice of workshops. I usually joined the music ones. The volunteers gave me such a good feeling that although I was very shy in the beginning, I quickly warmed up. In the afternoons we usually had an outdoor activity. We went swimming, exercised together in the spacious grounds, held a sports day, played ball games, cycled together, and visited a sports centre. It was refreshing to be so active, especially where the country air was so clean and the scenery so beautiful. The highlight was most definitely the showcase, 
This was a live performance at the end of the program where each participant performed using the skill we focused on in the workshops. I sang in the choir and even had a solo. I'd never felt so good or so proud of myself. The holiday was definitely very good for me and gave me so much energy for the new school year. But I have got a lot more from City Escape than just a holiday. I had an amazing time, made some very good friends and most importantly realised how much I enjoy singing. Until I went to City Escape I didn't really have any ambitions. I just tried to keep up with my day-to-day -day learning and responsibilities at home. City Escape helped me to see there's so much more I can achieve in life. I think I'll want to continue advancing in music and eventually work towards a career in this area. Thank you, Arsenal, for helping us and showing how much you care. For more info, email cityescapecharity at gmail.com. Carabao Cup Round 4, 7.45pm, Thursday, October the 1st, Anfield. Liverpool 0, Arsenal 0. First half. There were only seven minutes on the clock when we carved out our best opportunity of the opening period as Granit Xhaka's superb pass set Nicolas Pepe free down the left. The Ivorian entered the box and cut the ball back for Joe Willock, who found Eddie Nketiah, but the striker hesitated as he tried to go around Adrian and the chance was gone. There was little of note during the first half, but right on half-time, Bernd Leno pushed away Diogo Jota's header and Takumi Minamino's follow-up hit the underside of the bar. After the break, Leno had to get down low and palm away Virgil van Dijk's close-range effort and was called into action again on the hour mark to keep out Marco Grudziak's firm strike and then again moments later to palm away Jota's fierce effort. But back we came and we had a golden chance to take the lead as Pepe picked out Rob Holding in the area, but Adrian pushed the centre-back's header away. Neither side could make the breakthrough and for the second year running our Carabao Cup fourth-round tie at Anfield would go to penalties. Leno was the hero this time, saving from Divock Origi and then Harry Wilson. Alexandra Lacazette, Cedric, Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Pepe all scored for the Gunners, leaving it for Joe Willock to convert the decisive spot kick and send us through to the last eight to face Manchester City. The Visitors, Leicester City by Mike Hammond Formed 1884 as Leicester Foss, nicknamed the Foxes. Stadium King Power Stadium, capacity 32,261. Honours, 1st Division Premier League winners, 2015-16, runners-up, 1928-1929. 2nd Division Championship winners, 1924-25, 1936-37, 1940-41. Nineteen fifty six to fifty seven, nineteen seventy to seventy one, nineteen seventy nine to eighty, twenty thirteen to fourteen. Third Division League One winners, two thousand and eight to nine. FA Cup runners up, nineteen forty nine, nineteen sixty one, nineteen sixty three, nineteen sixty nine. Football League Cup winners, nineteen sixty four, nineteen ninety seven, two thousand. Charity Shield winners, 1971. Owner, King Power. Chairman, Iowat Siwatana Prabha.
social followers, Twitter, 1.6 million, Instagram, 4.5 million, Facebook, 6.8 million. Premier League record, AFC wins 16, draws 8, LCFC wins 4, Arsenal win percentage 57. All-time record, AFC wins 67, draws 46, LCFC wins 31, Arsenal win percentage 47. 2-1 Two of the most important matches in Arsenal's history were 2-1 wins over Leicester City. On September 6, 1913, Leicester were the visitors when Arsenal opened its doors to a new home in North London at Highbury and won by the odd goal in three. On May 15, 2004, Arsenal needed to beat Leicester on the final day of the 2003-04 season to go an entire league campaign unbeaten and, despite going behind, achieve their incredible goal with a 2-1 win. Scouting report by Michael Cox. Leicester City arrive at the Emirates with the same record as their hosts after five matches, played five, won three and lost two. The difference, though, is that Leicester's two defeats have come in their last two matches, and with centre-back Charlasso Inju holding midfielder Wilfred Ndidi out injured for a considerable period, there's suddenly cause for concern. Brendan Rodgers' side have still proved themselves capable of seriously good performances, however. They thrashed West Brom 3-0 and Burnley 4-2 before a memorable 5-2 victory over Manchester City. It's worth pointing out, though, that Leicester have conceded the first goal in four of their five matches so far and seem to start games sluggishly. Rodgers used a 3-4-3 system for the victory at the Etihad, but ditched that approach after a 3-0 defeat at home to West Ham and has returned to his usual 4-3-3 formation. Captain Kasper Schmeichel plays behind a defence that has been bolstered by the arrival of right-back Timothy Castagna, who has looked impressive on the overlap and collected two assists already, although he might switch to the left flank after the return from injury of Ricardo Pereira, arguably Leicester's best player last season. For now, Rogers is using natural right-back James Justin on the left, which has contributed to an unusual situation where Leicester have often fielded a side featuring 11 right-footers. Justin can be dangerous going forward, though, and was involved in all three goals in the 3-0 victory over West Brom and was dangerous in the second half of Leicester's 1-1 draw at the Emirates in July. Soyuncu's absence in defence means young Frenchman Wesley Fofana started against Aston Villa and should keep his place here alongside the reliable Johnny Evans. Ndidi's absence is probably an even greater issue, with Nampales Mendy offering similar defensive qualities but lacking the technical skills of Ndidi. That said, there's plenty of quality elsewhere in midfield, with Yuri Tielemont and Dennis Pryde capable of commanding possession and playing incisive passes. Thus far, James Madison has only been witnessed as a substitute. Up front, Jamie Vardy has scored five times in four matches, but four have been from the penalty spot. However, having scored ten times in eleven starts against Arsenal over the years, he's evidently a huge threat. Four, three, two. 
Kelechi and Acho is the alternative if Fardy again misses out, as he did against Aston Villa. Ianacho is better at holding up the ball and also provides a left-footed option going forward. Out wide, Eose Perez buzzes around energetically to the right and can also be fielded as a number 10 if required, while on the left, Harvey Barnes has consistently proved dangerous by cutting inside and trying to bend the ball inside the far post or by charging inside to meet cutbacks from the opposite flank. Madison's absence means Leicester haven't been fielding their best set-piece taker, while at the opposite end, they've conceded headed goals at dead-ball situations against both Burnley and Manchester City. Arsenal Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. The Women's Super League, Meadow Park, Sunday, October the 18th. Arsenal 6, Tottenham 1. Vivian Medmoda made history in the Women's Super League last Sunday as we secured a memorable 6-1 victory over Tottenham Hotspur. The Netherlands international became the first player in the competition history to reach 50 goals, but she didn't stop there as she scored a hat-trick to take her tally up to 52. The last time we faced our North London rivals, we struggled to find the flow and it took us 72 minutes to break the deadlock. But this was quite the opposite this time round. With just four minutes on the clock, Katie McCabe opened the scoring in spectacular fashion, finding the top corner with an outrageous free kick from the tightest of angles. And shortly after, Medema scored the goal that we'd all been waiting for, racing down the left to find the bottom corner to claim her title as the Women's Super League all-time lead-scoring goalscorer. Caitlin Ford then went on to make it three, converting Lee Williamson's searching pass over Tottenham's defence before Medema grabbed her second of the afternoon from a well-worked set-piece routine, throwing home through a crowd of bodies. Our number 11 wasn't done there, and just before the break she completed her hat-trick with a tap-in, courtesy of an act of selflessness from Ford. The goal, as she so called often the Gooners, is now three goals ahead of Nikita Paris, 49, the previous record holder. Following the restart, the visitors set to look to pull one back and a controversial penalty was awarded against Kate McCabe, but Zinberger was on hand to deny Dean with an outstanding dive save. Ford then went on to score our six and her second of the afternoon, applying the finishing touch of Beth Mead's delivery before Lucia Leon scored a late consolation goal for the visitors. Premier League Match Day 5, 5.30pm, Saturday, October the 17th, 2020, Etihad Stadium. Manchester City, 1, Sterling, 23rd minute, Arsenal, 0. Match Stats, Total Shots, Man City, 13, Arsenal, 11. Shots on Target, Man City, 5, Arsenal, 3. Corners, Man City, 6, Arsenal, 6. Offsides, Man City 0, Arsenal 2. Fouls, Man City 11, Arsenal 7. 
Possession, Man City 59%, Arsenal 41%. Teams, Manchester City, number 31, Edison, number 2, Walker, number 3, Ruben Diaz, yellow card, number 6, Ake, yellow card, number 16, Rodri, yellow card, number 26, Mares, number 27, Cancelo, yellow card, number 20, Silva, Number 47, Foden, substitute, 89th minute. Number 7, Sterling. Number 10, Aguero, substitute, 65th minute, yellow card. Substitutes, Gundogan, 65th minute, Stones, Stefan, Torres, Fernandinho, 89th minute, Dilap, Garcia. Arsenal, number 1, Leno. Number 2, Bellerin. Number 6, Gabriel. Number 23, David Luiz. Number 3, Tierney. Number 8, Ceballos. Number 34, Zaka, yellow card, substitute, 83rd minute. Number 7, Saka. Number 19, Pepe, substitute, 83rd minute. Number 14, Aubameyang. Number 12, William, substitute, 69th minute. Substitutes, Lacazette, 69th minute. Maitland-Niles. Partey, 83rd minute. Nicotia, 83rd minute. Elneny, Runason. First half. Mikel Arteta was forced to make a late change just before kick-off against his former employers, when Rob Holding pulled up in the warm-up and was replaced by David Luiz in defence. And City almost caught as cold in the opening minute, only for Riyad Mahrez's effort to flash wide. But aside from that, we looked comfortable in the opening 20 minutes. That was until Raheem Sterling pounced on Baird Leno's parry from Phil Foden's shot and slotted home what proved to be the winner. We could have been on terms just moments later, though. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang fed the excellent Bukayo Saka inside the area, but city keeper Edison made an excellent save to thwart the teenager. Second half. Nicolas Pepe had our first attempt of the second half heading at the goalkeeper from Aubameyang's cross. And he later curled a free kick just wide of the upright. But our creativity was becoming stifled by Pep Guardiola's well-organised side. Even the late introduction of new signing Thomas Partey for his Gunners debut couldn't force an equaliser. And we slumped to our second defeat of the campaign. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta, red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks. 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. William Saliba. 5. Socrates Papastathopoulos. 6. Gabriel. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Danny Ceballos. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Masut Ozil 12. William 13. Alex Runason, goalkeeper 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles 16. Rob Holding 17. Cedric Suarez 18. Thomas Partey 19. Nicolas Pepe 20. Schroeder Mustafi 21. Callum Chambers 22. Pablo Mori 
23. David Lewis 24. Reese Nelson 25. Mohamed Elneny 28. Joe Willock 30. Eddie Nkitia 31. Zid Kolasinac 32. Emil Smith-Rowe 33. Matt Macy, goalkeeper 34. Granit Xhaka 35. Gabriel Martinelli For Leicester City, manager Brendan Rodgers Blue shirts, shorts and socks 1. Kasper Schmeichel, goalkeeper 2. James Justin 3. Wesley Fofana 4. Shala Soyuncu 5. Wes Morgan 6. Johnny Evans 7. Demari Gray 8. Yuri Tillemont 9. Jamie Vardy 10. James Madison 11. Markle Brighton 12. Danny Ward, goalkeeper 13. Islam Slimani 14. Kilechi Iannaccio 15. Harvey Barnes 17. Eose Perez 18. Daniel Amati 19. Zhengi Zunda 20. Hamza Chaduri 21. Ricardo Pereira 24. Nampolis Mendy 25. Wilfred Ndidi 26. Dennis Prite 27. Timothy Castagna 28. Christian Fuchs 33. Luke Thomas 35. Eldin Yakupovic, Goalkeeper Match officials, referee Craig Pawson, assistant referees Ian Hussin, Harry Leonard, fourth official Graham Scott, VAR official Paul Tierney, additional VAR official Stephen Child. Today's other fixtures, Southampton versus Everton at 2pm, Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Newcastle United at 4.30pm. The Arsenal Foundation helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Arsenal are home. New 2020-21 home kit. On sale in store and online. Reconnect in comfort and safety. Fly better. Our A380 is back in the skies, so let's get back to the things we've missed. Fly to your next destination with confidence, knowing that your health and safety is our top priority at every step. And we'll even give you free COVID-19 cover while you're away. Emirates. Arsenal official partner. It's time to step up your cyber protection. Get hashtag cyberfit with Acronis. Learn more. Acronis, official partner of Arsenal. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.